There we go. Okay. First Corinthians chapter three, and this morning we're starting in verse eight. So let's open in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, and we just uh, pray this morning that you open our hearts and minds up to understand it, that you give us insight into our own lives, Lord, and, and uh, the fruit that we produce, praying that it might be acceptable to you, and, and we thank you for uh, this instruction and the guidance you give us. We just pray you bless our time now in Christ's name, amen. Okay, to get our context, we're going to read, starting uh, in verse 1, and we will read through verse 17, 1 through 17, and First Corinthians chapter 3, yes. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? So when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, are you not being merely human? What after all is Paulus, and what is Paul, only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task? I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If the work that anyone has built is on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flame. Don't you know that you, <coughs> don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If any man destroy the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which ye are. Okay, so we started the chapter, well, two weeks ago we got to verse 1. <coughs> Last week's looking at verse 2, you know, Paul is addressing the Corinthians as believers. They have been saved. They were babes in Christ. He says he gave them the milk they needed to get started to grow. Uh, he acknowledges also Apollos came and, and fed them some more. They ought to be growing. They ought to show some signs of maturity. But he says they're not. They're just living just in the flesh like unbelievers. Um, they're fleshly, men of flesh. Uh, you know, we're told to put off the old man, the old sinful nature, put on the new, the new nature of Christ. Uh, we see that over and over again in the New Testament. They hadn't done that. They were still living as they had before. 
And the evidence of that is the fact that they were following Paul or Apollos or Peter. They, were, they had divisions in the church. They had um, oh, strife and jealousy, which is not something you should find amongst believers. There should be unity there. Uh, we are one in Christ. Uh, and so, you know, he's condemning that. And he makes the point that, you know, uh, Paul and Apollos are just servants of God. They just do what they're told, but it's God who makes the growth happen. God causes the increase. So God is the one who should be your devotion, your adoration, your praise should go to God, not to a teacher. The teachers are just passing on what God gives them. And so he, he is telling them that God is the one who is to get the glory. So last time we got through verse 7, and uh, we'll start with verses 8 and 9, which finishes up this section. It says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So the Corinthians were actually kind of setting Paul and Apollos off against one another. Paul had come first after he left, Apollos came. And so some were saying, well, Paul is superior to Apollos, and so we're going to follow him and identify with Paul. Some said, well, Apollos is more eloquent. He knows more about this or that, and so we're going to follow Apollos. <clears throat> and so they're setting them off, and, and Paul is trying to defeat that argument here. He says, um, basically, he who plants and he who waters, Paul and Apollos, are one. They're in unity. They're not fighting each other, competing with each other. They're, they're together. They're, they're in unison. And, you know, following the, uh, this farming analogy that we've got here with the fields, you know, you've got an, an owner of the, the farm, the ranch, and he's got a, a crew of laborers. And he assigns them to different jobs. And they go out and they do the different jobs. But they all have one purpose. That's to bring in a crop. They all do different jobs, but one purpose, and that is the crop. None of the workers causes the crop to grow. God is the one who causes the growth, so he is the one who should be praised for that. But everyone does have a, a job to do. Let's look at uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4, someone like to read verses 36 through 38 for us. John 4, 36 through 38. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Okay, so here Jesus is talking about, again, the same analogies. You know, some sow, some reap, some bring in the crop. Uh, again, all working for the same harvest. But he does point out in verse 38, some work harder than others. It just depends on what job's assigned to you. You know, growing up on a farm, you would 
go out and make hay by hand. We had a you know, tractor and trailer, and my dad drove the tractor, and his sons were the ones who had to throw the hay bales around. You know, we had the hard work, but, you know, he was, I think, in his 60s by then, and it didn't bother us at all if he got the easy job. So someone had to drive the tractor, so he was driving the tractor. So... <laughs> we got things backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this concept of oneness, this concept of unity, is, is it's really one of the themes of this book because of the divisions that they had. You know, let's go back, chapter one. Someone like to read verse ten for us. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you that you'll be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Okay, so he starts right off the bat. You know, I want to see unity. Um, let's go to chapter 10. And someone like to read verses 16 and 17 for us. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? In 17 also, please. Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Okay, so that's, again, unity, but applying it to uh, communion service. I think I may come back and read this one again during communion. Uh, Chapter 12. Someone like to read verses 12 and 13 for us. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Okay. They were free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Okay, so we see that emphasis that you know, because of their divisions, Paul is really stressing the unity of the body of Christ. Um, and, he, and he applies that to the, to the servants as well, to him and to Apollos. We're, we're united in Christ. Um, don't try to separate us or put one of us above the other. So back uh, in our verse in chapter 3, verse 8, um, you know, after emphasizing the unity... He also shows there's a little bit of diversity here. Uh, they've got different jobs. You know, one plants and one waters. And when we get to the, in chapter 12, when you t- start talking about spiritual gifts, you know, you see a diversity of gifts. Um, the other thing that he says, each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So there will be differing rewards based on what job you're given to do and how faithful you are at doing it. And that's something that we'll get to in the next section from verse 10 on. Uh, so I'll just mention it here. But there is, there is diversity. We have within the body of Christ, you had unity, and we also have some diversity. We don't all do the same things, but we're all part of one body. Um, when you look at the body analogies, you know, you got a heart and you got kidneys. You need them both, but they do different things. <laughs> so, yeah. 
up. So here, though, the, the main thing uh, Paul is emphasizing is there really there's no basis for anybody to devote themselves to Apollos or to Paul. You know, there's, as far as he's concerned, there's no difference. We're all just we're just servants. We serve the same God. Um, and he and he goes on because in verse nine, uh, you know, he says we're God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. And from what I can tell from the commentaries, when when he says God's fellow workers, it's not so much that we're working along with God, but that we are fellow workers with each other, and God has appointed us as that. So that's the emphasis: is that we, Apollos and Paul and others, are fellow workers for God. But he also says, "You are God's field," and this is kind of an argument from silence. But he doesn't say, "You're not Paul's field; you're not Apollos's field." You know. So we could say, "You know, this is not. This was not Ebert's church." Thank you. Here, no attention to that in the court. Way to make an entry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Earl Brubaker was here for over a year. You know, this is not Earl's church. It's not Robert's church. You know, I've had to fill in the pulpit. It's not my church. This is God's church. You just got different people moving in and out, uh, helping to take care of the sheep and to feed uh, feed God's word to you. So um, they belong to God. They're God's field. Now he also says at the very end of verse 9, you're God's building. So this is a subtle shift of analogies. <laughs> We've been talking about agricultural analogy. Now he's turning and he's going to talk about buildings. And so we have a new analogy starting in, in verse 10. And the subject matter changes a little bit from unity to now we're going to talk about rewards. So looking at verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. Let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, you know, we just saw Paul introduce the idea that each servant will receive his own reward. And so, you know, we have that throughout Scripture. Let's look at a couple of uh, parables that Jesus told. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. There is some resistance to the idea of rewards uh, among different people. Well, you know, I should serve God because I love him, not because I'm going to get a reward for it. Well, God says, I'm going to reward you. <laughs> uh, Matthew 24, would someone like to read verses 45 through 47? Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Okay, so here's a faithful servant. Uh, you know, God will reward him, give him uh, a promotion. So 
if you're faithful in what God has given you to do, whatever it is, that's part of what God hopes to see and will reward your motivation, your motives, and your faithfulness. Now we've got a, we're going to look at Matthew 25 also. And this is a longer section here, so we're going to read around again. We'll read the whole parable. We're going to start in verse 14 and read through verse 30 in Matthew chapter 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them, and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five bags of gold, ten another two bags, to another, I'm sorry, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went to his, then he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. So also he had two talents made two talents more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Then his master said unto him, It is well done, good servant and faithful. Thou hast been faithful in a little. I will make thee ruler over much. Enter into thy master's joy. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides them. His master replied, Well, well then, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Yes, please. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I, I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have put the money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. <clears throat> For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. So, I, you know, one of the things we see here is the, the reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and I think when we appear before Christ, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> that's what I want to hear. Um, but we notice that the different servants are given different amounts to handle according to their abilities. So we're all different, so we're each given a different amount. So um, the reward does not necessarily, based on your, your total return, but are you faithful in handling what God has given you? You know, the person who had five talents, was, you'll hear five talents more. So he was given a bigger responsibility. Um, and, and God says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who had, was it two talents, 
He earned two talents more. He got the same reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, so they were given different responsibilities, different rewards. And then there's the one who didn't do anything with it. He just hid it because he was afraid of God, which kind of indicates in this story, um, there's a terror in the field. <laughs> he, he, got torn. No, he did not produce any fruit. Um, if, we're, if we're a believer, we will produce some fruit. So he's, those who do nothing here in this case are, are shown uh, not to belong to God because there is no fruit. Um, and I was thinking politically, there's, there's no socialism in this story. <laughs> or equity, for that matter. <laughs> Throw around a couple words. Uh, no equity, no socialism here. So, so here we see that you know Jesus tells these parables about rewards. That's part of Christianity. God will reward us. We shouldn't feel bad about looking forward to an, a reward. So, is this idea of rewards um, based on works? Well, how does, how does he start verse 10? Let's look back at what Paul says. According to the grace of God. This is, you know, he starts this whole section by talking about God's grace. To get us away from this idea of works. We do not work in order to earn rewards. We are faithful to our Lord. We, we serve out of love. But he rewards us for it anyways. He gives us, in his grace, he gives us opportunity. He gives us the abilities. And he rewards us for it. So, you know, it's, it's grace upon grace here. Um, you know, when Paul recognizes the only reason he is in this position is by God's grace. Let's look back at uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. And we see this uh, in his writings numerous times. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Okay, so he's, Paul's introducing himself. And he says he's received grace. And what's the first thing he lists is his apostleship. It's a gift of grace to him. Um, and we see that especially, let's turn back in 1 Corinthians to chapter 15. Chapter 15, and before we get into the resurrection, let's look at verses 9 and 10. Paul's talking about himself. For I am the least of the apostles, which am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Is that right? Yes. Okay. But by the grace of God, I am that I am. And his grace, which is in me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they, will, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. Okay, so it's, yes. I'm really impressed by that passage in 2 Corinthians 4.1 in this context where with this idea that he says, seeing that we have received this ministry of apostleship and yes. church planting 
in the same way we receive mercy. In other words, it's salvation was a gift, this ministry is a gift. Absolutely. Therefore, we're not going to lose heart. <laughs> right. Just be faithful. Don't lose heart. No matter what your God has given you, just do it with all your heart. Just keep Talk doing it. Lord. Yep. What a great message. Great. Yeah. And that's what and that's what Paul is saying here, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. What is he? He's an apostle. And he says, I'm the least, last one in the world who should have been appointed to this position, but God did it anyway. You know, I don't deserve it. I persecuted his church, and yet he made me an apostle. And as a result, he says, I labored more than everybody else. He's not bragging. He says, it was God in me by God's grace, the grace of God with me, and that's why he labored Okay, so back to chapter 3, continuing on in verse 10. So as according to God's grace, which was given to me as a wise master builder. So he's calling himself a wise master builder here. Not an apostle, but wise master builder. So looking at our analogy of a, of a building, if you... Uh, Look at large buildings today. Uh, credit is generally given to two different groups. One is the architect who designs the building, and, and two is to the structural engineer, the company, usually, that designs the structural framework for that building. <coughs> Especially when you're in earthquake zones and tall buildings and you know hurricanes and stuff, it takes a lot of effort to get the structure right, as, as well as the architect who designs the, um, what it looks like and the shape and the function. Well, back at like the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, you did not have separate architects and engineers. The, the functions were combined. One person did it all. Most of you know the name of Gustav Eiffel. What did he build? The, tower. the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> he did not have an architect helping him or a structure. He was both. He was a master builder at that time. Um, less well known is the, the Brooklyn Bridge. That was John Roebling. He was, and that was more engineering, I think, than architectural design, but he was a master builder. Now, they didn't have different subgroups and subfunctions. You had one person who really was in charge of the whole thing. Pardon? I was going to say, he's a leaning tower. He needed a foundations engineer. Yeah. So, um, so you know, thinking this terms, you've got Paul basically has given the task of being the master builder for the church. Um, but he also says he's he says he's wise, and we've talked about human wisdom versus God's wisdom. And just previously, you know. Paul was talking about, you know, who knows the mind of God? It's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has passed that on to, to us, and to him in particular. So, in a sense, um, God is the one who's designed the church. Paul is the construction superintendent. <laughs> he builds it according to the, de the design that God has given him through God's wisdom. I want to look back at Exodus chapter 25. 
We have another master builder type person here, Exodus 25. Someone like to read verses 8 and 9. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of a tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. Okay, so God is talking to Moses here. I'm going to show you exactly how I want it built. Now you go and build it. So in a sense, this is the same as commission we, that Paul received. You know, God told him what he wanted built as far as building the church. Um, well, let's also look at Hebrews chapter 8. Turn to Hebrews chapter 8. Someone like to read verse 5 for us. Who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For, see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Okay, so he's referring to, you know, again, Moses building the tabernacle. We also talk about the Mosaic Law. Moses established it. Did he write any of the laws? No, he was told what to write down. Yeah. But Moses is, you know, honored because God used him to do that. And that's kind of the same position Paul is in. Um, you know, when you, you think of Paul, you know, prepared as a Pharisee, and then, you know, when, when he gets a glimpse of what God's doing to the Gentiles, and he realizes, hey, you know, it's, it's on me, and he's going to give me what I need to do this. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. He, you know, Paul's, Paul's following the instructions he has from God. He's empowered by God. You know, um, He's got a, a great deal of responsibility. He's been given a lot of authority, but it's all from God. Um, we, Marie and I had watched a, there's a biography of Charlton Heston. You know, a, the greatest story ever told. He's Moses, you know, and it had been her. You know, he's this strong leader, you know, the hero of the story. And then the other night we watched Earthquake kind of a hokey old movie. You know, the earthquake hits, I think it's Los Angeles, and all these buildings are falling down, and, and Charlton Heston is the lead character. And you know what he plays in that? He's the structural engineer. <laughs> so he's talking about all these buildings and how they can't. I loved it when the hero of the story was an engineer. You don't see that very often. But that's the idea, you know, he was playing the master builder. You know, and that follows along. Moses was a master builder of the Mosaic Law and, and setting up. Yeah, so. Was Paul Newman in that movie also? Pardon? Was Paul Newman in that movie also? I don't remember seeing it. <laughs> That's an old one. Ben Cartwright was in there. <laughs> different, different character, but. Ben Cartwright. Yeah, I know, I know him as Ben Cartwright. But Lauren Green. Lauren Green was in it. Yeah. Yeah, he owned the he owned the engineering company. So, so we've got this position 
of master builder, you know, very prestigious position, very responsible position. We talked about Eiffel, we've talked about Moses. So is Paul exalting himself here? Is he telling everybody how great he is? No, he's not. He's, and I think this is kind of an example of, um, I guess what I'd call true humility versus false humility. Um, false humility deflects praise or recognition that one actually deserves. <clears throat> this is where you do something and people say, oh, that was wonderful. You say, oh, nah, nah, nothing, I didn't. You know, wasn't me, wasn't, you know. You know. Yeah, you actually did that. You know, God used you to do that. And, and you can, you know, you recognize that. And Paul recognized where God had put him. Um, this is an important position. Um, let's look back at Acts chapter 9. This is his commission. <clears throat> this is Ananias. This is on the road to Damascus, and Ananias was the one who went to Paul. And, and so here's God talking to Ananias about who Paul was and what he was going to do. Acts chapter 9, would someone like to read verses 13 through 16? Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. Moreover, here he hath authority of the high priest to bind all that call on my name. Then the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Okay, so... God says, I have picked this man to take my name to all the Gentiles, to the kings, and also to the Jews, the sons of Israel. That's an enormous commission. And Paul did not deny it. I mean, that was the commission God gave him. You don't say, oh, well, it wasn't anything. No, it was significant, huge. Um, and then 1 Corinthians, let's turn to chapter 9. Back to our book, 1 Corinthians, chapter 9. And uh, you know, in this division, there were some people who were kind of, oops, I'm 2 Corinthians. They were basically putting Paul down uh, in order to exalt themselves following Apollos. They would um, should, uh, put Paul down. Uh, someone like to read verses 1 and 2 for us. Am I not? Go ahead. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. How far? That's good enough. So he said, I'm an apostle. You guys are proof of it. He, you know, he's stating the facts. He's not boasting about it or bragging about it, but, you know, I'm a big deal. And he says, these are the facts. This is the position I was given. I have this authority. Uh, I've done my job. You are the fruit of it, and that's proof that, you know, um, that I've done these things. So this is, this is true humility, to accurately assess what God has made you, what position he's put you in, what you're supposed to be doing, you can evaluate yourself and say, 
well, am I doing a good job or am I spending too much time messing around and I should be working harder or vice versa? Um, you know, to be accurate, uh, recognize again that it all comes from God. Um, again, 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God I am what I am. Let's look at also, kind of to finish this section out, 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, would someone like to read verses 10 and 11? As each one of us has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is, it, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whether sir, serves is, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So here's Peter talking about the spiritual gifts, and he says, go out and do the work. Do the work. But remember, where does the strength come from and the abilities? It comes from God, through his grace, so that God gets the glory. Um, so... You know, again, this is true humility is recognizing, you know, what your gift is. I'm, I, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I love doing it. I, I feel like I'm doing a decent job, and, and that's what God's put, you know, given me the ability and the desire to do that. Um, there's other things that, no, <laughs> I don't fit. <laughs> and I can't do, and I don't want to do, <laughs> you know. It's like I'm a heart. I don't want to be a kidney. <laughs> I do a lousy job. <laughs> you know, someone else is doing a great job over there. I, I don't want to, you know, I'll let them do their job while I do mine. So, um, but again, you know, Paul recognizes, you know, he's the wise master builder of the church. He's an apostle. He's been appointed to do that by God. God has revealed all the mysteries of the church age to him. And so he's laying that all down as a foundation and that's going to be the, um, and the gospel is, you know, is the foundation. And the church is going to be built upon that. So he understands that, and that's what he's telling them here. So, um, so we made it halfway through verse 10. <laughs> we'll pick up there next time. We need to close for now. Joe, you want to close in prayer for us? Dear Lord, do you thank you for, the word, for your word, for the way it speaks, the way it speaks to us personally. We thank you that you are speaking to us through your word. Pray, Lord, that we will be attentive to what you have for us, that we will be obedient to the things you have us to do, just so that we will be in communion with you, that we can understand and hear and listen and follow what you have for us. We thank you for this hour. Pray for Steve who brings the next hour to us also. May we be here with worship attitude, ready to receive what you have for us. Lord, just want to thank you that we have the opportunities to open this word and share it with others. In your Christian name, we pray. Amen. Amen.